Welcome to episode 148 of Tim Talk, the podcast about the DC animated universe co-created by Bruce Tim. I'm Chris Lord. I'm Cameron Dexter. And uh, very exciting. We're starting off with Static Sock season three. So big things here. We got the redesign. We got the introduction of gear. But most uh, importantly, we got the little Romeo rap. We get a little Romeo rap, which I forgot how much I missed that until it's so it, came, good. it came back around. Like it's it's a genuine theme song. Well, because I, I didn't realize that like the the little Romeo rap is like kind of teased at the end, like during the end credits, right? Wasn't that was it, I feel like part of the song, like the stu- superhero static shock thing that you and I are always doing, wasn't that part of the old theme? And then they like expanded out in the little Romeo, or I don't just think been, so. I think that was just okay. us. That's just my headcanon yeah. that existed somewhere. <laughs> That's us singing at the end of every episode. No, I'm so I'm so glad it's back. I love the theme song. Uh, so yeah, so we got that. Got a little notes from friends. Cameron, you have another brilliant question we're going to get to. Uh, but first, we actually do have a little bit of news. We had, we had some pretty big news, I feel like, this week. I, I think we had one big news story and then two things that you just care very deeply, passionately This was about. a good <laughs> week for me. I'll put it that way. <laughs> That's true. It was a great week for Cameron's news. Yes. Uh, yeah. So, uh, Cameron, where do you want to start? Because, like, the, these are your your babies here, your passions. Well, we'll start with the one we know least about. Uh, okay. And that is the Hercules live action film. Yes. Uh, that Disney yes, is putting is out. And I think the Russos are attached to it. Is that what I saw? The, the Russos are going to produce it. Okay. Uh, I am uh very timid it hasn't necessarily been the best track record so far i mean not even just for like live action or disney animated to live action but also just like for hercules films in general like i feel like since what was the arnold schwarzenegger special hercules in new york yeah i think that that sounds right um i feel like since then there have to have been a dozen hercules films at this point and I don't think many of them are good. Is there any good one outside of the Disney animated one? Um, there was the one with The Rock. There were two back to back. Yeah, there was the the Kellen Lutz one, and then there was the Rock one. I didn't see either. I watched half of the uh, Rock one. Okay. Uh, and I didn't like it. <laughs> Even you could get all the way through it. Yeah, because it's it's not <laughs> like a, it's not like a genuine content. Hercules film. It was basically like <laughs> The Rock was just a really strong guy who claimed to be Hercules and everyone believing him. And him he, he was basically playing like a buff um, Gilderoy Lockhart. Oh, uh, okay. Like he was pretending to be the thing that he wasn't. Yeah. And so like anytime someone would ask him to do like a feat... He'd just be like, oh, no, you know, I don't do that for anybody. Like, I need, like, a mo- I need motivation to do these big... And he just kind of, like, <laughs> walk off. I'm like, this is boring. <laughs> yeah, I didn't I didn't bother with that one. The Kellen Lutz one. Like, that was that era of, oh, let's do everything, like, super gritty and, like, grounded and realistic, even though they're mythological legends. They're like, no, this is, this is dumb. I mean, so... What what are your expectations for the live action Disney version, given what we've had so far? Like, do you think they're gonna try and go the Mulan route and try and like up the action a little bit? I think they they definitely could. I just don't like the music of Hercules is so good. Yeah, I I wouldn't want them to cut that. 
and I I feel like they they can't. I mean, the 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 big thing that I've been seeing around this is actually all about the muses. Like no one really seems to care who they cast as Hercules or Hades or Meg. They really just care about who the muses are. Yeah, I mean, I care about Meg. I mean, yes, I do too. But like. At the end of the day, like that movie hangs on the the music and that weird like we there. We are the muses, goddesses yeah. of the arts, and proclaimers of heroes. Heroes like Hercules, honey, you mean Hercules? Uh, and the camera's gonna keep going for the next ninety. I like to make uh, some <laughs> sweet. Our story actually begins <laughs> many eons ago. Like I feel like you can't do that movie without those characters, without that music, without that tone. But it's also so perfect now, it's really hard to recapture it. And um, I, I I just hope that basically, one, the muses are black, and two, like, they still do the gospel element of it. Because without either of those things, it, it's just going to fall flat. I, I agree. And I've also heard a few people talking about, like, they kind of hope it's a little more accurate to Greek mythology. Okay. Which I'm like, you know, sure. I kind of like the story of it just being its own thing. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people are like, no, we want Hera to be the villain of this because that's who was actually trying to kill Hercules. Oh, the mom. Yeah, because she because that's not his mom. Hercules is is born from Zeus and a, and a mortal. Yeah, well, I mean, we talked about this before that the Disney Hercules movie is it's just Superman. Yeah, it is exactly Superman. Yes. Yeah, exactly Superman. The actual mythology of Hercules is a lot more complex yeah like he's he's a demigod he's half mortal uh, doesn't he end up killing meg and his family yes yeah i don't think disney's gonna do that part nah <laughs> i think they'll stay wide clear of that i don't know i mean it's uh it's one of those things where it's gonna come out we'll end up seeing it i also kind of don't care i i'm also i i'm also curious if it is gonna come out kind of right now because i feel like disney is disney is doing the the wb thing i feel like uh or the dc thing where they're just like announcing every live action film and kind of getting like a feel from the audience yeah because right now what's still slated is robin hood oh that's right uh um, we're getting we're getting sexy cgi yeah animal sexy, robin hood. sexy robin hood we're getting this we're getting oh i don't even remember everything on the slate anymore um bambi bambi that's right we're getting we're getting bambi even though snl already (laughs) did it perfectly they really did i'll I'll put it in the show notes there's a great snl skit with uh dwayne the rock johnson yeah it's it's basically if if the fast and furious cast did bambi it's so good um oh what else are we getting i I think pinocchio we're getting a pinocchio Oh, yeah, but I think there have been multiple versions because wasn't, I think Guillermo del Toro was working on his own version for a long time, too, that I want to say was maybe Claymation? Well, then we're going to get another stupid Jungle Book situation. Yeah, I know. I think they're even talking about doing an Aladdin 2, a Jungle Book 2. Yeah, Aladdin's getting a spinoff because it's going to follow the the other prince. Oh, the Billy Magnuson character. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest, this movie will get made because especially after the industry shut down, all the studios are going to be desperate to only put out things that they know are going to be surefire successes. Well, I'm, I'm curious about that because because that can kind of lead us into our second bit of news. Mm-hmm. Um, the theaters and the studios are kind of in shambles right now uh, because AMC made their grand announcement, their big dick contest with Universal. 
of saying we are no longer going to show any Universal films in our theaters. AMC being the biggest global chain, yeah, uh, movie chain, and you know Universal being the house of Fast and Furious. What I mean, what I really love about that is one of the biggest AMC's in LA is at Universal is at, Studios. Yeah, at Universal uh, <laughs> CityWalk. Yeah, and I have a friend who works for Universal, and they, uh, you know, they'll do company screenings of movies there all the time. So I just I, I love that little fracas that will come out of this. But I mean. Yeah, the so I think you know more about this than I do. This all started with Trolls. Yeah, so Trolls World Tour just came out digitally. And it yeah. was I I I I'm gonna say it was the first like big budget movie uh that the studios had put out just on a digital format. Everything yeah, I, prior to this had had, had a s- small theater release first. Yeah, so because Universal really they started this trend a little bit back when this first started because they took a lot of their movies that were still in theaters so your your invisible man um the hunt I the think. hunt yeah i think a few of those and basically went okay well the theaters are closed we've already had our opening weekend basically let's just go ahead and put them straight up on vod and like they so they really heavily truncated the uh the exhibition window and then with i think what makes troll so distinct is it was the, i think the first major movie that was scheduled to come out in theaters and the studio just said fuck it let's put it straight on yeah they, did, on they didn't push it back at all like every other film yeah like doing. the weekend it was supposed to come out in theaters they put it straight up on video on demand and it's been really successful for them so far i think I, i'm, test I'm a little shocked about how successful it's been because i because that's one of the things i've been waiting for is the movies that were put out digitally first we never got any number we never got any box office numbers from them yeah uh and that made me worried or not worried that that made me think like oh they must not be doing very well if no mm-hmm. one's publicizing the numbers and then trolls came out and trolls basically made a hundred million dollars opening weekend yeah which like and and I, I don't know what it would have made otherwise i didn't bother to look at um the previous trolls box office so i can do that real quick um trolls I mean, one dom- sorry 100 million domestically these are all domestic numbers trolls one made 135 in its entire run domestically. Oh, wow. Okay. I mean, I think this was a smart move on the part of Universal because, like, they, they're they the guinea pig, basically, on this. Like, they're the first one that really pulled the trigger. Um, yeah, but, but they're also doing... Because we also have to think these numbers are skewed because there's no competition right now. And that's exactly it. There's no competition. Um, people are stuck at home people with kids especially are desperate for something to put in front of them. They can easily go like, Oh, Hey, like it's the new trolls movie. You love trolls. This will be fun and bright and entertaining. And they'll probably just like, well, fuck it. We'll buy it on iTunes or whatever. And kids will just watch it. Yeah. And, um, so then, then it comes to my other point with, with streaming films is the, the numbers don't match up to what they should be. Because you have the nuclear family is four people, you know, two adults, two kids. So that's technically four tickets this movie should have brought in. And now they're getting the price of, what did you say? The average price of movie tickets is probably $12. Yeah, I, I, th- I say for like simple math, let's say 15 So okay. let's say it's going to be 60 bucks to take your family to go see it just for tickets alone. We'll, we'll, do, we'll do, let's do 10 Because I know, I know in smaller towns and with the kid, okay. like the kid discount. 
Okay, yeah, that's true. Okay, yeah, so tens, yeah, so forty yeah, so, bucks. Yeah, so yeah, so forty half. bucks. So we're they're basically paying half the price for a family of four to see this film. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like those numbers are skewed a little bit, and well, and the the other thing is what will be the part of the conversation I haven't seen yet is second run markets, right? So. The whole thing is with a movie, you get to sell it multiple times. Mm-hmm. So you sell it uh, for its initial theatrical distribution. So both internationally and domestically, you then also sell it for like some combination of like broadcast licensing and streaming licensing. And then you also get money from home video release. So whether it's physical media or it's um, you're purchasing it off of like an iTunes or an Amazon. So by doing it this way, they've, essentially broken that down to one maybe two maybe there's still some like licensing in terms of streaming mm-hmm. um and uh like broadcasting but the well reality it's, all, it's is, also just for rent like you can't buy the movie yet oh is it only for rent it's only rent and it's a, it's a I, I believe it's a 20 dollar rental okay so that's yeah because normally even new rentals are usually about the same price five? usually 15 to 20 well i feel like rentals are usually like five or six and to buy it's usually in like 20 when it's and when I, it's new oh okay i guess I, I guess i usually i have i usually rent stuff once it's cheap because i feel like usually they'll come out for purchase on like an itunes first mm-hmm. and usually at the full cost of the movie and then a few weeks later they'll put it out for rental at like five six bucks yeah uh yeah so so this this whole conversation about trolls kind of led into the head of Universal putting out this tweet, basically saying like, hey, I think it was a tweet, whatever, put out a public statement basically saying like, hey, thanks everyone for for renting Trolls. You know, we've made a decent amount of money back from it. Uh, and it's really, it might open, so it might open doors for future combinations of both theatrical releases and digital releases. Yeah. You know, basically doing like a good pat on the bat from, back on, for himself because like, it's, I mean, this is a pretty big accomplishment. Like, I, I would have it never is. expected a film to op- for opening weekend to make $100 million digitally. Yeah. Um, and then here comes Big Bad. I don't want to even put them as the bad guy because I kind of feel good for, like, you know, or for, for theaters standing up to the big chains, or like the it's, big studios because they've been pushed around for decades. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely complicated because it's like two huge corporations having like a dick measuring contest yeah, and and no one wins in either of these situations no not really i mean i guess i guess ultimately it works out better for audiences though because now there's like it, competition well it, it's more options at the end of the day right like there's definitely some stuff that i don't need to go see in a theater that i could very easily sit and watch at home and i wouldn't you know, there's stuff that I will now skip going to the theater knowing that's going to come out sooner. And I'm like, oh, well, like maybe I'll just go ahead and just, you know, rent it at home and watch it anyways. So I think more options is good for us. But yeah, I mean, it, the relationship between, um, oh, so sorry. So, so what he said, what AMC responded with, because we didn't even get to that part, is AMC basically said, hey, fuck you and fuck your good <laughs> attitude. Uh, you piece of shit. We're not playing any of your fucking movies in our theater anymore. Uh, and basically made the announcement that uh, because of this Trolls announcement, he took that as, a, as an attack straight on theaters. Yeah. And AMC said from this point on, they will, sh- they will never show an AM- or a Universal film in their theaters ever again. Which, 
Let's be honest. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck was that response, AMC? It's this will all get negotiated out. Like, oh, absolutely. This re- this reminds me a lot of the the Sony Disney thing over Spider Man, where I think now these sort of battles are to some degree fought in the court of public opinion. And then there's actual like real legal negotiations happening in the background. Yeah. But I think there's also just so much of this just posturing over the internet and all these like, oh, well, let's make a like a big declarative statement. Like Spider-Man's never coming back to Marvel in that case, or in this case, like, oh, Universal is never going to be um, shown in AMC theaters anymore. But the reality is like someone's out there trying to figure out how to make it work because they both have money to lose. Oh yeah. Can you imagine a theater not play? Like, as, as much as we joke about it, Fast and Furious is is what makes, you know, that funds two to three years of Universal's films. Oh, yeah. Like, and Universal has Bond coming up, too. Yeah, or... like, that's a one billion... Both of those are near one billion dollar franchises. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's basically guaranteed that Fast 9 will make more than a billion, and Bond will probably come... Pretty close. Probably come close. It depends on the quality. Like, Skyfall hit a billion because it was so good, so we'll yeah. see if it comes close to the quality. How did Scepter do? So it was like six hundred million, something like that. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember the exact numbers on it, but Spectre was garbage. Um, um, yeah. So this is potentially two billion dollars. Universal could lose off of this, not lose, because they would make if they did it just streaming, which I would never. I they they won't. They're, I they're... I don't like. I love Fast and Furious. I love the theatrical experience of Fast and Furious. I would never watch <sighs> that at home first. God, I mean, I I do love the idea of me not having to go see another <laughs> Fast and the Furious movie in theaters. <laughs> but they, I mean, those movies they're going to get theatrical distribution no matter what. The question becomes whether it'll be at an AMC. Like th- this will get resolved. Yeah, and, and I we have time. It, like nothing's happening. Yeah, nothing's happening. There's time, and I also think that this is the test bed for this broader argument that's going on. And so a lot of people are looking at this as like the the like the, the the major battle that's happening in terms of like what the future of distribution is going to look like because mm-hmm. all of it's up in the air right now and i think everyone wants this to be like precedent setting which to some degree it will and to some degree it won't yeah so so this kind of leads me back to our original conversation of stu you you mentioned studios wanting to play it safe for the next couple years mm-hmm. i i think we might get another eisner um like another Eisner mentality coming out of this where, you know, back in the mid eighties, Disney wasn't doing super great with their film department. Eisner and Katzenberg come in and basically say, Hey, instead of attempting to always have these home run movies, we're going to make huge bucks come out of it. Uh, let's do just a bunch of small films that are basically just going to fund the next film. So we're going to put out, might, you know, yeah. we're going to put out three men and a baby, which is going to fund, Mrs. Doubtfire, which is going to fund the next film and the next film. You know, we, we have yeah. these small successes just to kind of kind of put our name back out there in a very positive light. No, I mean, I actually think it's a very valid argument because I think a lot of the conversations right now are trying to figure out how to do things on the cheap just yeah. because the capital is not flowing and no one yet knows how to reopen physical production. Yeah, And so I think there's going to be a lot of conversations like, oh, how can we find ways to do this smaller? How can we shoot with like a more skeleton crew? How can we do even more of this in post? Yeah, and, and like we're going to have that combination. And then with the like with this streaming battle that's not going to – or the digital battle that's going to start emerging, 
I think, I, I funny enough, think we're going to go back to those, the mid-90s, early 2000s days where it's just going to be, like, trashy, straight-to-digital sequels. I mean, Netflix definitely has that market cornered, yeah, right? absolutely. Like, I, I feel like they put out so much content and none of it's ever really talked about because it's all... In terms of their, I think their TV department is a little bit more bold and ambitious in their film department, which tends to just be like, this is the sort of palatable shit people want to see. Yeah, and so I think I think this is a potential direction that we can see entertainment going in soon. I don't know. It's definitely going to be interesting to see where things go. So, but hey, as long as the DC Universe app continues to uh, power through, we'll be fine. Yes. And then our last <laughs> piece of news that I'll just power through really quick. Uh, on the note of shitty sequels that we could be getting. <laughs> Look at how smoothly all these segued into each other. Um, we got a, a major announcement from my, for, for my world. Um, mm. LeBron James posting a picture of the next Space Jam movie. It's called Space Jam Legacy. Uh, Space Jam, a new legacy. A new legacy, excuse me. Starring LeBron James and Bugs Bunny. Yes. Uh, I love that all that was was just... A title treatment in a poster yeah that's but all you hey, need i mean you, you remember true. Give those big comic-con rooms yeah. where all we got was a logo animating on screen and the crowd I mean, going crazy talk about yeah batman versus superman right like that's all it was yeah so I, I don't know i mean i i hope this is i hope this is a fun movie like i'm looking at it right now it's definitely got some some power behind it i mean ryan cougar is producing and writing it Oh, shit. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, Ryan Coogler, um, most famously, of course, did Black Panther. Um, but before that, he also did Creed. He did Fruitvale Station. Like, he is incredibly, incredibly talented. Um, so having his backing is really great. And then... Um, Do you think Malcolm... that means we're probably going to get Michael B. Jordan in this, too? I would I would love a Michael like, B. He, Jordan he's cameo such a in nerd. there somewhere. He's definitely going to be in there That's somewhere. the thing. He is. He's a total nerd. I could definitely see him um, popping up there somewhere. So I hope we get a cameo from him. And then uh, the director on it is Malcolm D. Lee, who is the the cousin of Spike Lee. Um, I'm huh. looking at his credits right here. The best man. Oh, my God. He did Undercover Brother, which oh, is... Oh, fuck, yes. That movie is so, <laughs> so goddamn funny. I, for, I, there's, there's one aspect of that film that I remember that is always in the back of my head, and it's the, the hot sauce... Uh, Oh, he's got the watch that dispenses hot sauce. Yes, and I, I never remember what it's from. I'm like, oh, right, it's from Undercover Brother because he doesn't want to eat a bland sandwich. He hates mayonnaise. Yeah. Understandably so, mayonnaise is awful. It is. But that, honestly, guys, like that movie, if you haven't seen it, go watch it. It is an underappreciated gem. It is so smart and so funny. I, I think um, it, I, it's a movie that came out like in the shadow of white chicks. And I yeah. think that's why no one talks about it. I know, but it is, it's, it's, it's amazing. And it's got this incredibly stacked supporting cast. It's got like Dave Chappelle, like right before he got big. Um, and say Neil Patrick Harris is in there too. Oh, I didn't remember. Oh, he is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, it's, it's, I honestly, I forgot that, uh, Malcolm Lee had directed that. So I'm, I'm 100% like back on board with this movie now knowing that. And like, okay. He also has other credits. Like he did a uh, girl's trip, which is hugely successful. A few yeah, years that, ago. that was that was pretty good. Yeah, exactly. Um, so hopefully, I, I I have a good feeling about this. I think it's been pretty solid. Um, and it's funny that this news came out. So I, uh, my friend Eric, he he did a birthday power hour VC last night, and so he played like 
I don't know if you guys know what a power hour is, but it's like every minute over the course of an hour, you take a drink and he played like this mixed uh, playlist and the space jam theme was on there. Hell yeah. And it was this beautiful throwback and it's been stuck in my head ever since. And I'm pretty happy about that. Actually. I've got no complaints there. Uh, all right. Shall we, uh, should we get into the, the meat of our subject this week here Let's with some it. more static yeah. shock? I'm ready. All right. So like I said, uh, season three premiere hard as nails, uh, very exciting. This is the beginning of the the redesign era. The animation definitely got stepped up a bit. Bigger budget in place here. I much prefer the new designs. It's so good and clean, and there's not nearly as much purple. Yeah, there's nowhere nowhere near as much purple. <laughs> Everything's a little bit crisper. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and so the the premiere is Hard as Nails, which uh, it's a, a revisit of his uh, his good old partnership with Batman here. So. In this one, it's I've already forgotten the main character or the main villain's Allie. name. I'm like, Allie, thank you. Yeah, uh, Nails. Al, yeah, Nail. Allie, aka <clears throat> Nails. So basically, she um, is discovering that she is uh, a bang baby, and so she is trying to find a way to get help. And she's been chatting with this online support group, the the Bang Baby Outreach Program in Gotham. So she she flees yeah, so off to Gotham. Cersei and uh, Talia. Talia, thank you. Thalia. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, only discover that it's, of course, Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn out there to basically make a quick buck off of the Bang Babies. And yeah. so they recruit her to help with the heist. Um, and it, it's it's kind of fun, actually, because it this does a pretty good job of portraying Allie in a, a very sympathetic, understandable light. Yeah, and it also shows, you know, the difference between Batman and Static, which is great, even though I think they do kind of almost villainize Batman where it's 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 the same story we had in a Batman episode previously where you know the police just want to go after these villains where Batman's like no we need to be a little more sympathetic to them. Mm-hmm. It, that I feel like that torch was just passed down to static. It plays out in reverse. Yeah, where um Batman is like oh no, you know, she uh Allie is is now teamed up with these two hardened criminals. She is now a criminal because of that. And so it's like no no no, like no, there she's like she's just confused. She's a teenager. She's trying to find something. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. I think Batman's portrayed as he's an antagonistic character in some ways. Yes. Like he, he is meant to be the counter argument to statics optimism. Um, and like, I, I like how that dynamic plays out. It also fits in a lot of ways. Like, you know, cause this is also a Batman who's been operating for a really long time at this point. Yeah. And, he has good reason to be cynical. You know, I mean, I think, it, you know, it was like the the third season of BTOS is when he was always trying to give his villains the benefit of the doubt. Oh, yeah. It was the Harley, not Harley, the, the, the Poison Ivy episode where yeah. she had turned a new leaf, but instead she was just making her own boyfriends. Exactly. Yeah. She was just making these weird monster thingies. Yeah. Plant monsters. You know, Harley had her own episode like that. Um, I mean, Riddler had a reform episode, but no one expected him to turn because he's just a pompous little shit. Exactly. But yeah, it's it's he's well justified to be skeptical about this, and and he at least lets. You know, he even says to Virgil, like, "We'll play it your way. We'll we'll see if she, um, you know, how she behaves. But if she, you know, goes too far, like we're we're taking her down just yeah. like we would the rest of them." So, so I, I don't think. You mentioned this yet. So the reason that she teams up with Harley and Ivy is they have promised her a cure, a bang baby cure. Yes, that's and, right. And the, the two of them do have a good argument of like, um, 
Allie, the Allie's are very spe- skeptical of like I don't want to work with two criminals. Like no no we're doctors still. Like I'm a yeah. fucking chemist and she's a psychiatrist. Like we we are meant like we we could be helpful people to you. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Like it, they have the potential to go and tell people, and they just they just mostly just, to. mostly just decide not to. Yeah, and I, I like before that line, I forgot about that. Like we obviously know their backstory, but I'm like, oh, that's right. Like these are two people that definitely could lead a bang baby cure department. Like they, you know, they could be helping these teens. Yeah. Um, how do I reach these kids? How do I reach these kids? Um, yeah it's it's a fun it's a fun dynamic though yeah so you have that going on in the in batman and, and static going on we have alfred is back yes it's our first time seeing alfred in years a long time because there's that uh great moment where basically batman and static are incapacitated because they're covered in tree bark yep but the batman escapes bark. all of <laughs> it's almost as bad as his bite and they take Static back to the Batcave, and he's, like, on the medical bay there, and Alfred's picking splinters out of him. And there's that great throwback um, moment where Static asks who Alfred is. He's like, oh, I'm Batman. He's like, no, you're not. Just <laughs> once just, I want someone just to believe me. one time he wants someone to believe him, because he did that uh, in Old Wounds with uh, with Batgirl. Yep. With Barbara Gordon. I no one believes him. No one believes him, poor Alfred. Actually, I think there was there was a whole episode of the Batman where Alfred put on the bat suit. I, I can't, maybe he was like brainwashed or something. I'm trying to remember what it was now. Oh, cause, cause there's the teen Titans episode where everyone wants to be Robin. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Is it teen Titans or teen Titans go? Uh, so there, there's one in each. So in teen Titans mm-hmm. go, it's, it's the Titans don't want to, um, don't want to go, uh, like do anything for the, like they're all just being tired and lazy. And so yeah. Robin calls on the other Robins to come and fight with him. Oh, that's right. Uh, but no, in, in Teen Titans original, it's the episode where Robin has to go and train on the mountain to become a better martial artist because he's been mm-hmm. beaten at his own game. Um, and in his absence, the rest of the Titans all raid his closet oh, and put right. on the Robin suit because they want to like play with the gadgets. <laughs> so brilliant such a good ah oh, that's, that's one of my favorite titans episodes it's so perfect that's it's exactly what those characters would do yeah and so too. on that point there is a joke in this episode about uh you know they're in the bat cave and and static asks batman like oh where's robin he goes he's with the titans he goes who's that it's like oh you'll meet them you'll meet them yeah. soon and funny enough i looked it up uh this episode came out in 2003 static does join the titans in 2009 in the comics oh he does so it, it's a series that i haven't read before but I, i'm pretty interested in it mm-hmm. um there is an, an anti-teen titans called the terror titans love it in the final crisis run um and they're basically trying to kidnap him to power some machine by dark side mm-hmm. um that whole thing gets blown over and then post crisis um wonder girl who's now leading the titans reaches out to basically all the kids like hey come join us yeah uh, and virgil joins oh and nice. so funny enough they they had a six year early prediction of static joining the titans I, you also wonder if like that was probably just a throwaway line 
just so they didn't have to have oh, include for him sure. in, yeah. in the show. But you also wonder, like, was that maybe in the pipeline? Like, I, I don't know. I should have done some research ahead of time. I don't think with Final Crisis, like, there is there is no pipeline. It's just... No, no. I meant, like, when they did it in the show, like, were they potentially, like, teasing? I wonder if that was in development at some point. Like, obviously, Teen Titans as a show was in development. I wonder if at one point that was planned as part of the DCAU. Um, I bet Maddie would know. Yeah, okay, so this episode came out in January 2003, and the first episode of Teen Titans was July 2003. So it could have just been, like, oh, you'll meet them soon. Like, the Teen Titans show, you know, it was coming out in six months. Okay, yeah, I guess it would have been pretty far in development at that point. Yeah, yeah I just wonder, um, yeah, I'm very curious if at one point they were planning on doing the Teen Titans as part of the DCAU. I feel like I've seen artwork out there somewhere, but I don't know if that was, it's just fan art or if it's like wishful thinking, but I'd be very curious to know if that was something they were ever considering doing at some point. Um, wait, what's this? Almost got them. 20 DC cartoon designs you never saw on TV. Okay. Yeah. That's probably just fan art. Huh. So I don't know. Would have been interesting though, to see them do a, a version. I mean, w- would you have wanted them to do a DCAU Titans show? Like, um. so, so go, go back in time you can either have the Teen Titans show we got. Oh, man. That, that, or, that, that's the answer. I or they do it in the DCAU. So, like, you throw in Robin, you're going to have, you know, let's say it's it's gonna, it's probably going to be more based off of the the popular characters at that time. So, it's probably, what, like, Supergirl, Robin, um, you know, maybe Speedy. they'll throw in, a, they'll probably throw in a Speedy and an Aqualad. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, maybe we'll get some new characters so let's say they will get a jericho in there because yeah they're they... gonna tease deadpool deadshot no deathstroke deathstroke <laughs> they're also fucking similar <laughs> deathstroke yes Slee. i know which which Slee. would you choose which would you choose cameron oh the one we got the yeah, one we got is, is a masterpiece i i think that's fair too because Teen Titans is a, is amazing, and then I haven't seen a lot of it, but the stuff I have seen of even Teen Titans Go is super fun for its own right. Mm-hmm. And then I really feel like Young Justice is the tonal successor to the DCAU. Absolutely, anyways. yeah. Young Justice is if if the DCAU did Teen Titans, it would just be Young Justice. Exactly, yeah. And I and I think that Teen Titans and Young Justice are both like amazing shows in their own right. Well, I actually now that I think about it, it would have just been. The young Justice League. So we would have had a Miss Martian for, for Manhunter. Yeah. We would have had... Um, Probably some version of Wonder Girl. Yeah, Wonder Girl, Superboy, Robin, Spe- a Flash. Uh, uh, Kid Flash. Yeah, it would, it would have just been the, you know, everyone that's in the Justice League show, just, you know. Yeah, just version. younger versions. Yeah. No, I, I'm glad that things panned out the way they did because yeah. Uh, yeah the other teen science shows we got were really fantastic and but i also it's, just it's... remember like before i knew anything about dc comics like trying to theorize who all these characters were oh yeah like like what their powers um, would be well not, not just the powers just like you know the big question at the beginning was who is slayed mm-hmm. it, it is repeated multiple times in the first episode in the pilot uh and i remember there's a moment where at the end of Apprentice Part 2, the season one finale, where Slade's mask breaks. And you see, oh, like, a poof yeah. of hair that's the same style as Robin's hair. Mm-hmm. 
and being a kid who knew nothing about any DC comics back in the day, just theorizing like, oh, it's it's Robin's older brother. It's it's Batman in disguise, like secretly training him. It's, it's a Robin future, the future. Yeah, it's a future yeah. Robin. Actually, that's a that's a good point because I didn't know who um, Deathstroke was when I watched Teen Titans. Yeah, and I think it was actually years later that I figured out like, oh, right, like it was Slade. They just went by Slade's first name. Death- yeah, yeah, that's such Deathstroke a, like, an ominous name too. It is. It's. I mean, again, Teen Titans go. They they nailed it. Yeah. But what I what I love about that that throwaway line though is, you know, that does make the Titans in some form canon. Yeah. In the DCAU, the fact that we never see them again, I assume means that it just totally fell apart. Like maybe they had like an initial like workshopping meeting and eventually I was like, ah, nah, this ain't going to work. Yeah. They're already doing it better in the studio over. <laughs> yes. <Yeah, it's true. laughs> yeah. I just didn't pan out anywhere, but I mean, it was a, it was a fun nod anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I mean, I love that nod. It was fun to see Harley and Ivy back too. Like they continue to have great chemistry. I, super I fun. love Harley's intro music. Oh yeah, because it's. I think is it the same intro music they did for? I guess it's a little bit different than the one they had for the Joker and Static. But I, it, I it, think it's the one they used in New Batman Adventures. I think it's the. I, I should know this because it's it's a score, but I'm pretty sure it's either the same music from. Uh, the Laughing Fish, or it's similar to it. Okay. When um when he's got the the. Or no, is it? Oh no, which one was the one when he had the the barge? That was the last laugh, I think. Oh, I don't remember. It's been too long. Yeah, I can't remember either. Yeah, but I love that they have her music. I love that she's in a, a big blimp with the Harley Quinn ears on it. It's very Gotham. Yes, I yeah, always love a good blimp. Yeah, uh, I and I love that she just it totally embraces that bad dad jokes are her shtick. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting mad at Ivy whenever she tries to tell a joke. <laughs> tries to make a pun in there somewhere. No, it's it's fun. And I, and I like that they kind of strong arm uh, nails into helping. And she's really reluctant to do so. And even at the point where she realizes like, oh, we're not just stealing a few of these gold bars. That's their whole scheme is that they're going to attack this this federal reserve shipment coming in on a boat. We're not still in a few where basically like robbing the whole thing. She's like, why? Like, I, I don't, I'm not, I don't want to be a criminal. I don't want to be a part of this. And to then see Harley and Ivy turn on her was really great. Mm-hmm. It's showing that like, yeah, at the end of the day, they're just looking out for themselves and they're criminals. Yeah. Like they're bad guys. They'll totally betray somebody. But not each other. No, never each other. Which makes you wonder like, did... I can't remember in the episode. Did they say they had worked with other Bang Babies, or was Nails the first they, one that actually showed up? They say they have, um, but I think we don't know if it's actually true or not. Yeah. yeah. I also I don't know how you felt about this, but this is the first time I realized what Nails' power actually was. And I've seen she's this Colossus four or five times. What? She's basically just Colossus. She's got like metal skin and nails. Yeah, I never got that she had metal skin. I always thought it was just like she had just like grayed out skin and then she could extend her nails in like a very like a like a saber tooth kind of way. Yeah, they they definitely don't establish very well that she is metallic. Yeah, because you see like the I I guess it's supposed to be a shine. Yeah, you see on her body, but it's I think because it doesn't move like how a shine would move because that would take a lot of animation time. 
it just looks like it's just like a blotch on her on her over her eyebrow like a blotch on her arm yeah you, you almost kind of assume that her whole body is just like really really dense yeah and so that like that's why I, I didn't click with me until like she fell in the water and then at she the sank. end of the episode i'm like yeah. oh she's a metal person she's actually metal because even earlier when she shoots her nails at static and he reverses the back on her i didn't assume they were metal i just thought it was yet another example of static being able to control Anything. non-metallic objects <laughs> yeah. with his powers which he does in this episode he takes the blindfold off with his powers even though it's fabric yep but it's bat fabric. It's bat fabric. You know what it is? It's uh, it's Batman's cape material from Batman Begins, where you like run an electric current through it, yep. and it it goes rigid. Mm-hmm. It's that. Oh. Yeah. So so in the end, uh, Allie does team up with Virgil, and they they take out Harley and Ivy. Uh, uh and then um, yeah, and then it, it ends with her actually going in for like a a treatment, which is cool. Funded. By the Wayne Foundation. Of course. Because he has that moment when he, uh, he like, because Bruce Wayne loves to show up at things that he doesn't need to be at. Uh, but what a good, like, CEO he is. Like, what a good head of business where, like, even the little people, he'll still show up for a couple minutes. Be like, hey, how are you? Yes, yeah. this is because of me. I, me, Mr. Wayne, did this for you. Don't ever forget it. He, I mean, he actually, he knows where to spend his time. Because, you know, Bruce Wayne famous for, like, not showing up to things because he's too busy off crime fighting. But all the things he doesn't show up to are, like, big gala events that he absolutely hates. Mm -hmm. But he always shows up to meet, like, the security guard who just started at the job or to go down to the new bang baby clinic that he's helping. Yeah, reformed criminal ventriloquist. Exactly. (laughs) We'll just go say hi to him working his first night shift job. Yeah, like he actually, he only really spends time with the little people and he totally ignores his own like established social class and all of his business partners because he doesn't like them all anyways. Yeah. Yeah, and then it also gives a chance for uh, Virgil to realize who he is because he sees Alfred once again. And I guess, so did Bruce only show up there just so he could yep. weirdly reveal to Static that he's Batman? Yeah, it was, it was a sign of trust. I guess. Yeah, it, it, it does feel a little off character. Yeah, it, it feels like a little bit unnecessary. I mean, I, I do love that Virgil's identity got spoiled because he was carrying around his school ID in his uniform. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, that, I, I was Virgil expecting move. Bruce to do something sneaky like that. Or like, as, you know, he, like, shakes his hands, like, Virgil, it's really nice to meet you. He, like, leaves, like, a, like a battering in his hand. <laughs> That's his secret handshake? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh, what's this metal pointy thing? That's what he was actually learning when he was with Satara was how to do like sleight of hand oh, and leave man. behind you know mini batarangs. He's a good like pickpocket. Oh yeah. I mean, that is one of my favorite things about Batman is you can give him any esoteric like skill set you want. Like he can have an episode where he can randomly like throw his voice or he can do like sleight of hand tricks and like that. And all you have to do is be like, oh, he's Batman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he learned it on part of his journey across the world. Yeah. Where he trained with the famous Tibetan voice throwers. I, I, I think there is a, a funny joke there. You could have been like, while, while Virgil's in the Batcave, like he sees a Batarang and puts it in his pocket. Yeah. And then at the end, that comes back around where Bruce, like he shakes his hand and then Virgil like goes into his pocket. Like the Batarang's gone and there's a note left. It's like, nice try. Yeah. <laughs> 
I can totally see Bruce doing that and then also no one asking, why are you going around sticking your hands in a teenage boy's pants? Nah, I mean, he's getting his property back. <laughs> property that he also leaves all over the city? Yep. Because who else in Gotham is going to leave criminals like hanging off a, a street lamp tied well, up? No, I, I appreciate that he leaves the batarang there yeah, for Bull just... to be like, who did this? We didn't do it. <laughs> is this that back guy that's been here for a fucking decade now? <laughs> this is starting to feel all too familiar. You know, he, he's got to make sure that the GCPD doesn't get complacent. You yeah. Know? It's true. You know, we're getting like pop up vigilantes left and right. You know, there are more meta powered people all the time. He's got to remind them, like, I'm the original. I'm the best. Mm -hmm. Don't forget about me. I'm Batman. Also, I'm Bruce Wayne. Did you know that? I'm Batman. But also, hey, I'm Bruce Wayne. <laughs> Let me tell everybody. So there, there's there's a point in this episode that kind of confused me. Uh huh. And it's right at the top when he's chasing Allie down. Uh, and she cuts down a light post that electrocutes static. Yes. I thought the whole point was he couldn't get away. I thought that would supercharge him. Yeah, that would make more sense. And so that makes me think that he has to, like, actively think about it. Like, oh, he has to consciously control, like, the electrical flow through his body? I guess so. Because there's, like, because I it, it kind of reminded me of the point where uh, when they capture the Joker and the Joker's trying to shock Batman but he uses the, the glove on static instead. Oh, and it doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, but then he goes around to charge himself. He fucking just grabs onto like a positive and negative charge. And then he's supercharged. Static's just going around licking car batteries to yeah. try and get some juice back. And I, yeah. So I don't fully understand why a light post falling on it. Cause I mean, you could just have it where he's pinned down by the light post. That's fine. Like he didn't see yeah. it, hit him on the head and that knocks him out. I, I think they were playing off of Static's comment about, like, oh, I can use your own power against you. Yeah. Oh, that's so true. They had, yeah, yeah. Yes, they had, and it, even though it doesn't make any any sort of sense. But, yeah, that, that moment was a little bit odd. Uh, one other thing I do want to mention is this episode has great music. Oh, my God. The, the chase, we, the Alley Chase song is so yeah, good. We get, if you include the new intro, we get three original songs in this episode. And I love it, too, because each of them has what, like, two lines of lyrics basically just on repeat yeah but they're great so it's uh it's like one step when uh yeah they're chasing her down the the alley they're chasing alley down the alley mm -hmm. and then um there's the other one me and my homegirls for every time it's harley and ivy and nails on screen yeah and i just I, I love that yeah i i think so next week we're getting two of my favorite episodes okay and if i remember correctly it, it also has one of my favorite like character songs oh god i love it i i do love that they like actually put in some original songs in this yeah no, I mean, like this has good music yeah their actual like in universe music is pretty much garbage like anytime they're actually like hanging out with some musician it's fucking <laughs> terrible but like just the beats they, yeah but their non-diegetic music in this is solid bom, bom. that's a fucking <laughs> hit right there that's it we've never heard anything like this before we are be drowning in platinum records yeah oh uh, god i love it but i i genuinely really like this episode actually like mm -hmm. it's it's super fun it actually uh you know it, it fits well in the broader dcu canon too yeah and we also have a good uh website we see the gotham gotham city website oh that's true all the municipal maps yeah or it has in the bottom corner there's a button that said why are you moving to gotham i <laughs> did it actually yeah <laughs> really appreciated that i, I missed that but that's so good I also I love that idea that the like, the Gotham Tourism Board 
has just given up and they're basically trying to actively dissuade people from moving yeah, there at this no, point we, now. We have enough shit here. Yeah. Do you want to live in squalor and constantly get harassed by supervillains? Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to get poisoned on the regular by the Joker? Or frozen by Mr. Frozen Freeze? Frozen by Mr. Freeze? Or, I don't know, harassed by a penguin? I'm, I'm surprised we don't have like a... Like a P.T. Barnum villain for Gotham. Where, like, they move to Gotham and they, like, they kidnap all the villains and kind of put them in this, like, villainous circus. Oh, that would have been fun. That would have been so interesting. All right, start working on the fan script. Yeah, I mean, even Joker could do it. Like, we'll do Joker a live could read. definitely be, like, a great P.T. Barnum parody. Also, I, where I thought you were going with that was... Uh, who who supplies animals to all the villains you know like we've talked about the the headquarter designer we've talked about like the costumer to the villains like who is out there supplying your your penguins oh, your hyenas it's joe exotic <laughs> real life super villain joe exotic you know what you're 100 right yeah 100 right all right uh any other thoughts on this or should we move on to episode two here uh i think that's i i like i i'm a little upset because i did the research on the names behind uh cersei and Thal- Antalia, mm-hmm. and i'm like okay that's cool they're like the greek goddesses of the harvest of grain and then the the goddess of comedy yeah the muse of comedy and they just fucking said it in the episode later <laughs> I was like, damn it, I, I did the research. Like, you, I, I looked up the, the Greek gods and everything. You, you were so excited. You actually did some research. You were, you were yeah. getting ready to drop some fun facts in the podcast, and it's still your yeah, thunder. And they just fucking spoil it for me. I, I've been getting really into I I love, like, weird Greek mythology things. I've been getting yeah. really into it recently. No, I, I Greek mythology is so bizarre. I, I actually I saw a great, uh, great tweet this morning. And it was, you know, one headline was, you know, after uh, two months of that traffic, dolphins have returned to Venice. Yeah. And then the second headline was, uh, you know, Greece in fall of 2020. And it was just a picture of like the Kraken <laughs> and a Cyclops like attacking Greece. That's good. <laughs> I love that. I, I watched a video. So I, there was, there's a YouTube channel that popped up in my recommended recently that it'll do like a 20 minute crash course on different um, mythology origins. Mm-hmm. And they posted one about Norse mythology origins. Oh, okay. Uh, and I didn't realize how crazy their creation story is. Because, like, we have we have our, like, you know, one version of Adam and Eve as Eve was pulled out of his rib. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I'm like, that's dumb. And then you hear the, <laughs> the, the Norse origin is you have this great, uh, I think he's an, I think he's a, a giant elf. Not, yeah, um who fell asleep and through his armpit sweat birthed the oceans Love uh, it. and like oh it was like uh like his leg hair created the tree it was something weird like this and i'm like where is this coming from the titans were like his drool and i'm oh, like damn. okay hold on we need to <laughs> we need to go hey. over this real quick because there's a lot of shit going on Hey, you know, the nice thing is someone out there who really isn't a body hair, like, just lives for those legends. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, Norse mythology, you have a batshit origin. Uh, I'm sure we're going to see all of that played out in the next Thor movie. I could totally see Taika just going straight for it. Oh, man, I can't wait. <laughs> all right. Should we, uh, should we talk some gear here? Let's talk gear. 
All right, so uh, this is an episode we were both super excited for because Richie finally gets his full-on superhero persona gear. Uh, Something we're waiting quite some time for it to happen. Um, So the whole idea here is that uh, he is just, like, his brain is an overload. He's like, he can't stop inventing new gadgets. So he invents uh, Backpack, which is a, like, a a semi-sentient robot, like, sidekick. That he also wears a backpack. It's all these cool gadgets in it. He designs these new like um, zap caps that have these like high tensile cables to capture people. He's inventing rocket boots. Like he just his brain won't stop. And uh, he and Virgil eventually come to the conclusion that he must also somehow be a bang baby. Yes, and I, I have I have some questions about this. So so the, his reasoning is you hung out with me right after I was hit with the gas, so you must have secondhand exposure. Yeah. But we know from the pilot episode, he doesn't see Richie until the middle of the day the next day. Yeah. Before he sees him, he sees both Shannon and Pops. Which I want to pose the question to you. What powers would they have? Oh, my God. I... Hmm. Uh, Okay, Pops would definitely have the uh, ability to manipulate people through their emotions. No, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing is like, it's because his pops, he would never realize he had that power because he already is like really good at communicating to people and to like motivate them to do the right thing. But it would just become like a switch for him. He could just all of a sudden get super good at it. He like starts to talk to someone. He gets like straight to their heart and he just can make them do whatever he wants, but he only wants them to do good things. So he never even realizes he has powers. Yeah. And oh, as for Sharon, mm, I feel like she would develop super strength. And she would discover it when she goes to throw something at Virgil and it knocks him the fuck out. Okay, because I had a similar thought. <laughs> I think she would be the upper body version of Kangor. Of, like, she, like, tries to slam a door and just, like, shatters the door. <laughs> like, I mean, it, it doesn't help that Sharon does not really get enough scream time to make her feel, like, feel super nuanced to we're kind of going off of like stereotypes here for these yeah. characters, but I think that works. I would, I would actually love to see like a super buff version of Sharon. <laughs> Cause she already has like this really like commanding, intimidating presence. The idea of like Virgil being even that much more scared of her. Yeah. Would be amazing. Well, I don't think she would get like, I, not in like the physical aspect of Kangor, just the like, like how Kangor can create earthquakes by stomping. Yeah. She would do that just by like clapping. She'd have like yeah. a supersonic clap. I'm here for it. I want to see it. There was also another quick tangent when you when you talk about like Pops not realizing he has the power. There's a great theory that I read last night about how Han Solo is definitely force sensitive, but just refuses oh, to okay. accept it because he hates the force so much. I I love it. We have like you know he goes to the asteroid field. What would usually take like a very force sensitive Jedi to make it through, he does it with ease. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the force sensitive people were always like, we have this foresight where we know when something bad is going to happen. But of all the characters that get to say, I have a bad feeling about this. Han says it three times and everyone else says it once. Oh, uh, and like, and how and the, the joke at the bottom was like, how great would it be for all of these amazing accomplishments that Han has achieved for everyone to just pass it off? Like, Oh no, that was the force. Like, you didn't do that. That was, like, how angry he would be about it all. It's like, no, it doesn't exist. It's not a real thing. I mean, it makes way more sense than Finn all of a sudden being Force-sensitive. Yeah. (laughs) Which we only learned about the fact from the Visual Dictionary. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I do think it's, it's an odd rationale they use to explain like why Richie all of a sudden now is like a, a bang baby. Like it's been dormant for so long and like slowly, slowly building up. I mean, it, it's mostly just there as an excuse to like justify why his like gadgets are like that much more impressive. Now, and make I, new toys. And make new toys. I can't remember. Did Richie ever become gear in the comics? I don't think so. Let me look this up real quick. Because I can, I can definitely see that being a thing they would write into the show. Oh, it looks like. Oh, I don't like that photo that popped up. What? I wonder. I don't know. Maybe they. Maybe that's the thing that they introduced in the comics after. I'm, I'm texting you this photo because it's 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 the first thing that popped up when I typed in static shot gear. Oh, is it him when he's fat? Oh no, it's him like seducing oh, the what? camera. Yeah. What is? I don't this? like that at all. Oh, that's going on Instagram. What the hell? <laughs> like, Richie is a great character, a total sweetheart, and you know, like the the best friend you could ever imagine. This photo makes him look absolutely one hundred percent like a sexual predator. Oh yeah, I mean, this is a fuck boy through and through. I I don't know if I could even go fuck boy on this. I, this is more like your creepy like a high school teacher who everyone knows is gay oh, but yeah, it's yeah, not it's not like look. you know it's we're not living the modern era we're back in like the 2000s when we were in high school and like no one really would talk about it but he's just like a little bit creepy and lecherous yeah oh god this is horrifying yeah. absolutely horrifying well i watched the i watched the simpsons episode this week where uh, they introduce the other gay character and it's, it's Homer's phobia is the name of the episode where he's like super, super anti-gay. Like, oh, this oh. episode does not hold up at all. Does it not? No, it's pretty rough. Uh, a, a lot of, a lot of those don't hold up very well. Yeah. I mean, uh. there, I mean, there are some funny jokes, uh, cause basically the, the premise is, um, the family starts hanging out with this gay guy. Uh, and Bart really takes to him, and so to try oh, and course correct, Homer yes. tries to like take him all these straight places, mm -hmm. and they go to the 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 steel mill, where it's like this is the only place where the gays can actually hang out. Oh yeah, I, I need to go rewatch that episode because I, I read. Oh, I think it was in um, when we were doing our research on uh, very special episodes. That one was listed on there as like the Simpsons tackle like gay characters, mm -hmm. and that it was done pretty satirically. I have to go revisit it. Um, but I think that's where that amazing clip of uh, Bart wearing like the the huge nineteen sixties blonde wig. Oh uh, yeah, like, it's, dancing yeah, comes it's from the brunette wig. Yeah. Oh, the brunette wig. Yeah. yeah, I know. I gotta go rewatch that episode. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of an odd thing for them to just all of a sudden be like, okay, now Gear has superpowers. But I'm glad they did it because I think one of the best parts of this show is that dynamic between Virgil and Richie, and so having him actually be out on the front lines rather than the constantly lurking in the background is fun. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's, it's a slightly odd power set, but I don't know. They, they, they do some fun stuff with it. Like, what'd you think of his gadgets that he created? I love his gadgets. Like gear mm -hmm. was like the hero. I always wanted to be as a kid. I mean, in some ways he's kind of the most relatable because yeah. he, I mean, his superpower is just being a genius. I mean, he, he's basically, Iron Man. Yeah, exa exactly. Yeah, but without the 
the drinking and womanizing and the money weapons development or the money yeah mm-hmm. any of those things uh yeah and it's all like stuff because i feel like it's this mixed with like the kids next door gadgets oh yeah i was like oh man i just want to like build things as a kid i mean it, i like like even backpacks like it's a it's a fun design yeah backpacks awesome the skates are just like normal skates that he attached rockets to yeah also, uh, I, I love that he <laughs> as far as i can tell as of now the wheels don't retract so even when he's not flying around he's just still on rollerblades all yeah. the time yeah yeah that 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 stays pretty consistent i do hate that the way he flies is by skating through the air oh i know does that maintain all the way no you, you see at the very end of the episode like he does it to like take off but yeah. then he he flies just like iron man flies after that Okay, thank God, because yeah, that was that would have been a bit I, too much. I, I really don't like that. <laughs> but you know, I I like that this episode really focused heavily on him. Like he's going, like his brain's kind of overreacting. They eventually figure out, okay, he's probably like a dormant bang baby, um, and then uh, the metabreed break out Ebon, and then Ebon recognizes him because I, I, I don't remember the episode specifically, but at one point Ebon saw Richie talking with Static. Yeah. And they also uh, set it up to make it feel like it's going to be that episode where it's Ridge is going to get kidnapped and Static is going to have to save him. But then they flip it. Yeah, which, which is really I, fun. Yeah, which I think is a great change of pace where now yeah. they see, they follow Richie around and they see him hanging out with another kid who kind of looks like Static. And they yeah. finally do the, like, the, you know, like, hey, Ebon, that's the same hair as Static. Yeah. <laughs> and even Ebon is still just like, no, 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 I know a lot of kids with that kind of haircut. Like, I haven't seen a single other person in this universe that right. has that haircut. I know a lot of 14-year-old kids with that haircut who hang out with the same guy. Yeah. Like, we'll see if this is if this is static. So they kidnap Virgil instead. Yeah, because they want to prove if it's he's actually static. Yeah. And I, I yeah. really like that change of script. No, it was. It was it was a good way to, like, flip it on its head, and they, they put him in, um, like, a, a padded cell, basically, at the, the old rundown, like, juvenile detention center. And it's clever, because they put him in a situation he could escape from, but he would have to use his powers. And Virgil figures out pretty quickly, like, oh, I'm, this is probably a setup. Like, I'm probably on camera. Um, and so then uh, Richie has to create his, his proto suit, which I, I also love, too, that they didn't have him like create a full superhero suit in the span of five minutes before going and rescuing his friend. Yeah. It wasn't just in his sister's closet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like, I love that he was like, okay, I, I already had this stuff lying around. I have the rocket boots. I already have backpack. I have the, the blast caps. Let me just put on some, some pads. I do love that because this is still a kid's cartoon. Yes. He, elbow pads. Blades, he has to have knee and shoulder or knee and elbow pads. Yeah. I really appreciated that. And the helmet, of course, where you can totally see his normal face. Yep. Uh, but now, but, no, know, it's, it's slightly green now. It's true. It's got a, it's got a, a green tinge, and he's got another green visor inside the green visor, which makes it so that you can just kind of still see his eyes. I want to see like them reacting this plan the next time they're all out, and it's just Talon like holding up a green, like a green <laughs> piece of like a piece of glass, and just like looking at everyone. Let's try like, to see. If it's like, I'm not getting it. I don't think it's anyone here. <laughs> <laughs> I love it because you, know, you would think they'd also try to do the same thing with like a domino mask too just like go around yeah like honestly wouldn't that have made way more sense all you have to do is like get a hold of like a 
uh, Dakota High yearbook and just like cut out a piece of paper in the shape of a white domino mask and just go through and put it on every single kid's face. You can say that with every hero, though. It's dumb, Cameron. I'm pointing out this really dumb trope in all of comicdom. I, I would really like, I think that is like a pretty smart, like you condense it to one area. Because I didn't think about using the yearbook. Like that, that's actually kind of a smart strategy. Yeah. I was imagining like, it more, you know, Talon and Shiv walking around Dakota City, just like putting the mask on people. <laughs> it's like they cut out a perfect version and Shiv like shoving them against the wall. It's like, just hold on for a minute. And he's like, no, that's uh, not it. No, it's like, sorry to bother you, ma'am. Yeah. Turn around, walk away. But no, I, I like his uh, I like his proto suit. I like that he gets to save the day, and you know, it, it's great too because they just you know bring in recurring villains because the episode really isn't about the villains; it's more about Richie. Yeah, and I mean, I, I love all these villains. You get Kangor for a minute. Shiv doesn't do anything. <laughs> Talon is there. Shiv never does anything, does he? And then it's just Ebon. Yeah, and Ebon's always great to have in there. And like they all get defeated like really quickly because you know Virgil or uh, Richie shows up and busts out. Or no, he he does it actually pretty clever. He uses backpack to uh, put the camera on loop, so Ebon thinks the Virgil's still in the cell. So even when Virgil shows up in full static costume, he like looks back at the monitor and goes, "Oh, I guess we got the wrong guy." Whoops. Yeah, no, I, I really liked that. It's a pretty clever way of of putting up that ruse because like as soon as there's an episode where like, oh, I think I figured out static's identity, you then have to like create some sort of weird doppelganger yeah you, you need to to martian manhunter the situation exactly or what do they do when it was uh sharon they was it was it oh no the, oh it was he, the kid made it an, an illusion that's right he made the illusion yeah yeah that's right they did it. There, there's always some sort of trick there so i thought that was pretty clever on their part as a way to uh to resolve that but no i mean like i love that we're in full-on like duo mode now i think they're really really great together yeah. It's gonna be super fun. Uh, I mean, you can also tell that I think this episode was probably originally designed to be the season three premiere. Oh, it makes yeah. A little bit, it makes a little bit more sense, like you know, because the new intro includes Richie in full gear costume. You're like, wait, where did that come from? And it's he even makes a comment about like, oh, cool, you're wearing the new costume, the new static costume. But I think they were also like, oh no, let's put Batman in the premiere episode because you want to get those numbers. Yeah. And also, I think the next, yeah, the next episode also doesn't have gear at all. Oh, yeah, because he's in Africa, right? Yeah. Oh, I love this episode so much. Yeah. I, this is, like, one of the, the often talked about episodes. I'm excited to get to that next week. Mm-hmm. But I mean, this was, like, a really good week, actually. Yeah, I think uh, these episodes. are, I think, two of the strongest episodes. Oh, yeah, I'd say so. I think they're both super fun. Um, I also, I just, I really love the the redesign here. Like, obviously, the most dramatic change is static. Like, everything else is kind of still the same, more or less. Yeah. Ebon, I um, mean, Ebon still looks the same, but, like, the they didn't change his animation at all. I just want to bring up again, like, how good he looks when he's moving, like, when his body moves around. Mm-hmm. Like, it's such a cool, like, look to his fighting. Well, it's also their version of kind of justifying animation right like this is something that the budget wasn't there when this came out to do that sort of movement in live action Mm -hmm. 
like go watch the uh, the 2005 Fantastic Four movie and you'll you'll see evidence <laughs> of it right there. But like that's the sort of thing you can do in animation, have it be really fluid and really gorgeous, and they they really take full advantage of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I one thing that was interesting is they do a, they do a slight tweak on Daisy, and I actually found her character a little more generic now. Okay, I can see that. Yeah, like I, I only knew as Daisy because she was wearing a shirt that had a Daisy. On it. <laughs> um, but I mean, part of it is they completely changed her her wardrobe, which they also did for Virgil, and I, they more or less kept Richie the same. But I think maybe they they give him some more options down the line. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I wasn't like a hundred percent sure it was Daisy. Like the new Daisy looks a little bit more like Frida. Actually, it almost looked like kind of like halfway between the two, mm-hmm. which is weird because I think Frida's still in the show because the two of them are walking in front of Virgil and Richie during the, the intro. New intro. Yeah. I also love that they basically just remade the intro with a new animation. Yeah. It's the exact great. same. Yeah. <laughs> exact same new villains, but otherwise the exact same, but also I, just, I, I really love the new static costume. Like, and I remember more of this stuff. Like I rewatching this, I remembered seeing these episodes when they aired. Like I remembered, the the music like the chase music from um the previous episode yeah. well i think these two are also like this is when static hit its prime mm-hmm. and i feel like these are the ones that had more syndication than <clears throat> season one and two yeah which makes sense too because they really was they're in their groove at this point it's the 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 more prevalent static costume which looks so much better yeah it's so much better <laughs> my god uh i don't know these are good though any other um thoughts on these uh I think I think we covered it all. Okay, cool. All right. Well, let's uh, let's mosey along to notes from friends here. Uh, just one quick one, um, but a uh, friend of the show and previous guest, Sam Gash, wrote in because oh, he had, and I love this. He had a student body story to share oh, with us. Oh, of course. He yes, did. yes. Student council story. He was uh, he was a little bit behind the episodes. He was getting caught up, and so he wrote in here. I'm bringing it up right now. He said, uh, um. So he says, uh, I'm super duper late to this, but my podcast listening has dropped off uh, since not driving anywhere. Totally the same. Same, yeah. Yeah, I only listen to it now when I work out, and then even <clears> it's <throat> less frequently. But he said, I have, a, I have a middle school student council story. I was on the previous year's student council, and we were counting up the votes for the following year. I don't remember the position, but for treasurer or secretary, some popular kid won that we thought would not do a good job. So the entire council decided to make a tie with the person in second place who would do a good job. Uh, he says, we were the conspiracy and the world would never, ever know. That's so good. <laughs> yeah. So Sam, we've, uh, I mean, you just added yourself. We've added you now as a, a political conspirator. Yes. From your middle school days. I do. I actually, funny enough that Sam sent something in. I have, I have a question for Sam. So Sam has a great podcast. Uh, yes, uh, they, Ideal Remake. It's, yes. it's fantastic. I've been on uh, as a guest before. It's it's so much fun. I Someone pitched to me, or I, I saw it somewhere last week or two weeks ago, someone trying to write a prequel to Wally. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, and they didn't do a good, they did a, honestly a horrible job trying to write this prequel. And so I, I open this question up to you, Chris, and to Sam whenever mm-hmm. you get to this. Uh, one, is it, possible to do like a good in like a good um prequel to wally because it is just what we're living now yes um and two how how would you write it if if it is something that we could do 
Ooh, that's an interesting idea. Maybe we can get some some gears turning there and uh, find a way to explore that a little bit because that would be really interesting. All right, and then uh, well, I mean, Cameron, you are like the the master of really good questions here, um, oh, and so ki- kind of uh, you know to to add a little bit more material to the podcast because news is going to be a lot slower during the uh, um, the lockdown here. I'm introducing a new sam- uh, sandwich. You like that word? New sandwich you're going to do. Great. You know, a, a new segment called Cam's Question Corner. Great. I'm, I'm here for it. <laughs> Cam's got the questions. All right. So, Cameron, you had a great question uh, that you threw out to me beforehand. So we're going to explore it a little bit, and then we'd love to hear uh, listeners' answers, too. But what's your question this week? Uh, so in the midst of this, this kind of live-action dominance in theaters, where every animated film is getting a live-action remake, what are some live-action films you think would thrive in an animated format? Okay. So I, I spent some time today trying to figure out what to answer with this because i feel like you you have to kind of justify why it's going to be animation to some degree right yeah and so and, like and I, also a, a lot of stuff's already been done like i'm trying to think about like the the major live action properties that i love and they've all been done in animation before like obviously uh star wars has multiple animated series including the clone wars which you and i are both re-watching right now mm-hmm. star trek has done an animated series i'm pretty sure they're actually working on a new one too that's all supposed to be like the just the general crew members around the ship okay so like star trek's been done animation even james bond has james bond james jr, bond jr. for way back in the day yeah so I, like, mean, I mean that was the trend of the late 80s early 90s was just make you know make a, a pretty shitty uh yeah. animated animated version of the shows you had you know yeah. ghostbusters had animated back animated to the future had an animated series yeah like, it's, it's been done in so many places that I was trying to figure out, like, fuck, even The Mummy actually had a pretty good show. Men in Black had a pretty good Men one, Men in Black, had a, yeah, had a pretty good one. So I was trying to figure out, like, what could you do? And one thought I had was Harry Potter. I I, I, met, I sent this question to my friend, and that was her first response, too. I would love yeah. an animated Harry Potter. I think animated Harry Potter could be really good. I, I guess the one challenge you have is they already were able to make that world feel so big and expansive with like really good CGI work. And also and like pretty movies. realistic. Pretty realistic. Yeah. I mean like the thing is those movies, considering that the first one came out almost 20 years ago now actually hold up pretty damn well. Yeah. So I feel like that's one would be hard to do now because like it's already kind of been done. It was done so well live action. So I was trying to think of like what's something else that I love that I think could really take advantage of the animation format and I came up with an odd response, okay. but I, the more the more I thought about it, the more I was excited about it. So, I would love to see them do an animated version of Clue. That's what, I thought my list. <laughs> You're, that's on your list. Yes, I I told you beforehand. <laughs> I had a movie that I didn't think you would enjoy an animated version of, and it is Clue. Because I was thinking about it and. You know, because there's two aspects to animation that really embrace the medium. And I think one is you can animate things that you are hard to do in live action. Like we we're talking about Ebon earlier is a great example of that. But the other thing you can do is you can have like really over the top character designs. Yes. And you, you can kind of take something that could be considered a caricature. But when you do it in animation, it has like extra personality come through on it. And the thing is, is that Clue, I just rewatched Clue the other night. It is a perfect film. Absolutely 100% perfect. Except for maybe one, one point of continuity that bugged me when I rewatched it. But 
otherwise like that movie is fucking perfect and there's always talk about doing a remake at some point and i've always said if you're gonna do it go the opposite route like we've done the weird versions now do the straight down the line version of like actually make it like dark and serious and like a proper murder mystery but that's not gonna happen they're clearly gonna do a comedy if you're gonna do a comedy it's always gonna feel like a facsimile of the original movie so just do it in animation and do really like over the top crazy character designs and then you know you could also like ramp up the murders a little bit yeah too. you could have it be like a little bit bigger and weirder um by going down that space you know it kind of reminds me of like when family guy does star Wars sort of thing right it's like it's their recreation of that universe in that animated style but they can push the boundaries and make it a little bit more um hyperbolic um and the, actually the version that got stuck in my head is i would love to see um bob's burgers do a oh my god do a remake and kind of the same way that family guy like took its characters and assigned them roles from star wars i would love to see like the main bob's burgers cast get like assigned to different characters in clue that's good i really like I think, that yeah i think it'd be so much fun um i i would just love to see what that animated style would look like and the, the tone i think carries really well too um but yeah, that's that's what I want to see. I want to see a Bob's Burgers riff on Clue. On Clue, I really like. Yep. That's a good answer. Mm-hmm. That's so because I. It's so funny. I had the exact same answer. Because I was <laughs> I, I was thinking like what studio? Too. What? I love that you came to that too. That was yeah. fantastic. Um, because I was thinking like what studio? Because you talked about like the character design. Uh, the movie wasn't great, but I really liked the design of the Illuminations Adams family. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. They're, they're very, they're, I think that's a little too over the top. <clears throat> but that's exactly what you mean. It's like the characters are so um, wonky. Yeah. So I, I would actually give it to the team that did like uh, Hotel Transylvania. Oh yeah. Like, I think that that, yeah. that character look and the 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 smoothness of that animation would really carry over well to like a, mm-hmm. an animated Clue. Now, would you? I I would want to see it two D. Do you think that a three D version could work well? I think it, I don't think we're gonna get any more American two D films. No, I except think, for Bob's Burgers the movie. Yeah, except for Bob's Burgers the movie. Yeah, um, and I, I guess Teen Titans, Teen Titans Go to the movies was two D, but again, that yeah. was that was just the same team that makes the show though. Exactly. Yeah, I, I think it's gonna be hard. We're not gonna see a lot of original two D animation. It's gonna probably be like TV spinoffs at this point. Yeah, that's a good answer. Mm. What are what were your answers? So. I think kind of going off of big franchises, there's two. Uh, one I think would make a great series. I think they both could actually make great animated series. Uh, I said Pirates of the Caribbean. Ooh, that's a great, awesome, great like they, answer. They do go into like the weird stuff. And I think that stuff could be really well done animated. Yeah. Because there is, you know, the, the biggest <clears throat> anime ever to exist is One Piece. Right. Which is just a pirate anime. Yeah. I think you can take that idea and just kind of tone it down a little bit, make mm-hmm. it a little more grounded and have like a really cool Pirates of the Caribbean animated series. Yeah. Well, that's actually a really great way to go too, because that universe actually has a lot of room to tell interesting stories. They just haven't necessarily done a great job with it. Yeah. Like I rewatched the original three Pirates movies recently, and there's a lot of really interesting ideas, especially in, at world's end and they just don't yeah do the pirates council that's so yeah, cool yeah the whole pirates council thing the whole thing with calypso like you you kind of get this feeling like they maybe had ideas for maybe like three or four movies and they were just like ah let's just like shoehorn them in yeah um but like yeah like that world would serve well doing like a week-to-week sort of like long drawn-out adventure mm-hmm. 
I had that one. I had Indiana Jones. I yeah, there's never be really been animated indie. Yeah. Uh, just because, like, I feel like you can make the, um, the, like, the dungeon, not the dungeons, the... Um, the temples and booby traps and stuff. Yeah, I like, you can make those crazy. Uh, we could also finally get what the Indiana Jones 4 film teased, which was Indy's adventures during World War II. That yeah. We never actually got a chance to see. Like, that would be super fun. Um, I think those would be great. Uh, a, a weird, two weird ones that I thought of. Um, Night of the Museum. I think oh, that it'd makes be perfect an sense. awesome, like, yeah, magic that, that would be really good style yeah. show. Yeah, oh, that's a great idea, yeah. Like a like a, a kids' learning show? Yeah, just, like, teaching them. Art. So there, there was a show that I loved back in the day called mm-hmm. Time Squad. Oh, I don't know if I remember Time Squad. Uh, I bet if was, I look it up, I'll remember it. It was a short-lived show on Cartoon Network where it was uh, two people from the future oh, and an orphan yes. boy all team up to try and like make sure history goes as it's supposed to. I do remember the show because the, the animation style was kind of spoofing uh, Peabody and Mr. Sherman. Yes. Yeah. It's exactly that. Uh, so it's or it's, Mr. Peabody it, and Sherman, excuse me. Yeah. It's, 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 yeah, it's pretty much the exact same show. It's these three people, yeah. like the, okay. the episode that always, that I always remember is um, Da Vinci and Mona Lisa just had a really bad breakup. And so That's she doesn't want right. to sit down to be painted. And so they have to try right. and get them back together. <laughs> Wait, wasn't the robot Larry super gay? Uh, yeah, yeah. Love it. Oh, uh, yeah. That, Love me a gay it, robot. It can kind of be similar to that show. But I think like an out of museum show could be so cool. Or did you ever watch uh, Hysteria? So it was, it wasn't necessarily a spinoff of the Animaniacs, but it was, I think, from the same like animation department at Warner Brothers. But it was they. It was kind of a similar thing. Like they would go. It was sort of like the Animaniacs, but specifically had a, a historical bent on it. So they would like go to different time periods and do like skits around famous characters. Okay. No, I've never heard of the show. Yeah, it was on around the same time too. Is I remember it being pretty good. Um. What were the other two? I had um. <laughs> Spy Kids. Yes, Spy Kids make a lot of sense. Yeah. That, that could have a cool, like, straight-to-video sequel or animated version. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then one, the, the last one that, that I have on my list, is one that, like, I think many people were, were shocked was, was live action because it is just a cartoon movie. Uh, Pacific Rim. Oh, yeah. Weirdly doesn't have an animated counterpart. Doesn't? No, I guess it doesn't. No. That would make perfect sense. Yeah, any any of those like giant kaiju films, you know, Godzilla, King Kong. Yeah, there was a Godzilla things. cartoon spun off of the nineteen ninety eight movie. There was, you're right. Yeah, because um, like it was like one of the baby Godzillas that survived the movie. Like, thought that the one of the Matthew Broderick character was its dad. Yeah, and like they went on adventures together. <laughs> I want, you know what I want? I want a Godzilla animated film. In the or maybe King, I think King Kong would be better in the style of Clifford the Big Red Dog. <laughs> yeah. Or what was the other one? The other kids Nickelodeon <laughs> but, show was was Maggie and the Ferocious Beast. Did you did you remember that one at all? That sounds familiar. Uh, I, yeah. I love that every episode like 
they would be trying to like go on some sort of hijinks and King Kong would just keep running away to go try and kidnap Fei Ray again. Yeah. <laughs> like all he's doing is just like snatching blonde ladies off the street and climbing towers. <laughs> I'm here for it. I'm so here for it. Yes. Uh, because we were, I mean, obviously it's based off of a, an, an animated film already or an animated show already, but we were supposed to get a, a Popeye animated film a couple years ago and we have test footage of it and it looked really good uh it was the studio that did the most recent charlie brown movie where it's this like i I think the studio kind of went under at this point oh yeah i remember the sneak peek for this yeah it looks really good actually yeah and i don't know what happened to the studio i don't know I mean, that is such a thing, though, isn't it? It's like you take an old cartoon and then in the 80s or 90s, they did a live action remake that sometimes was good, sometimes was terrible. And then they go back and do an animated version again. Oh, it was supposed to be it was just supposed to be a Sony Sony picture. Oh, it's too bad we never got it. Yeah. uh, uh, Tartofsky was supposed to animate or was supposed to direct uh, it. Tartofsky. He's so good. What a shame. Yeah. And then, and then, yeah, he, they they canned it so they could make Transylvania too. Oh, what a what a goddamn shame! Yeah, oh, that would have been a good one. Uh, but yeah, those, those those are my answers. I'd love for people listening if you want to send in your idea, what would be some good live action films that would make great movies or animated series? Yes, yes, would love love to hear people's answers to that. Yes, and then uh, we will we will shortly after send all of our ideas to Netflix. Exactly. Yeah. And now to HBO. Now to and HBO, HBO Max. Max. Well. <laughs> yeah, we're basically just uh, sourcing other people's ideas. Yes. The, the classic Hollywood tradition. All right. Well, let's go ahead and uh, wrap things up here with some bat plugs. Which you've been uh, spilling your time with these days, Cameron. I started watching a series mm-hmm. uh, that kind of shocked me because I didn't realize the guy that starred in Space Jam also played basketball. Oh, really? Yes. There's a docu-series all about his time before Space Jam called is The Last Dance. Is it a prequel Dance. to Space Jam? It is not a prequel, unfortunately. Okay. He, there's a, a surprising lack of cartoon characters what, what in the Michael, Jackson, or, well, Michael Jordan documentary. Uh, but no, it's, it's, I'm watching The Last Dance. Very mm-hmm. uncharacteristic, but it's, it's super interesting. I've heard good things about it. I'm really liking it so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I, mean, I think Michael Jordan's one of those guys that really transcends sport. Like he's just an interesting figure in general. Oh, I mean, also it, it follows the big three. So it, it mainly focuses oh. on Jordan, but it also mm-hmm. follows Pippen and um, Rodman. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, and Pippen is just as <laughs> compared to the other two. Uh-huh. He's so boring. <laughs> I, well, I mean, to be fair, like when you're going up against Dennis Rodman, a lot of things you're going to see him boring. Yeah. So they kind of frame it where it, the main bulk of the story is, or I guess the the through arc of the, the documentary is following their last season together. Okay. Um, but then each episode so far starts off there and then jumps back to kind of when the, to like an important story from their early seasons. So like the second episode is all about Pippin and it jumps back to when he first joined the Bulls. And then the third episode is all about um, Rodman when he first joined the Bulls. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and there's a great story they tell about Rodman, which I which I thought was great. Where it's in the the last season, he he went up to the head coach and to to Jordan. He's like, hey, I just need like a couple days to just get like I need to go party. I just need to go and drink and go crazy. It's like you have forty eight hours, and after forty eight okay. hours, you have to be back here. And then it like cuts it it cuts to where a commercial would be, and then it opens back up. He didn't come back after forty eight hours. <laughs> <laughs> that that almost sounds like the a plot of a '90s spec script movie. Yeah, of like world famous athlete needs forty eight hours, like just anonymously go have a crazy party, and along the line, he like maybe falls in love or learns a lesson. So so they interview Carmen Electra, who was his girlfriend at the time. Oh, that's right. Yeah, uh, and they talk about like she she tells from her perspective of like I had no idea that there was a forty eight hour limit to this. We're like four days into partying and drinking and like we're in bed together and I just hear this pounding on the door. It's like, it's Jordan, open up. And she's like, I just hid. Like I didn't want Michael, like Michael Jordan of all people to see me like this. It's like, I just, I just hid in the bathroom. Like I didn't want to see any of this go down. That's brilliant. Oh my God. Uh, Also a name I've not heard in a long time. Carmen Electra. Yeah. Welcome back. Uh, but no, it's it's a pretty good documentary. It's it's it comes out weekly every Sunday, I think. So the next episode, the next two episodes come out tomorrow. Which uh, platform is it on? Uh, I think it's weirdly enough. I think it's on Hulu, but it's produced okay. by Netflix. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so it's it's on ESPN. I think because it's live on ESPN. Oh, okay, that's why it's on Hulu then. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, that makes sense. Oh, yeah. I'll, uh, I've heard good things. Let's go check that out. Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's kind of all the, the new stuff I've been watching recently. Uh, what about you? Uh, I finally finished American Gods, the book. Oh, nice. The Neil Gaiman book. Mm-hmm. I started reading it, I guess, right around the time of lock, like the lockdown started. Because um, yeah, I've had it on my shelf for a long time, and I like Neil Gaiman. I'm like, okay, check it out. I think I've discovered I actually don't like Neil Gaiman's writing. Okay. It like the thing. It's weird because it's not an anti-plug the way you had one uh, on the last <laughs> episode. Like it, it is objectively good. Like as I'm reading it, I'm like, okay, like he is a really incredible writer. I, I think, if I'm being perfectly honest, I think I'm too stupid to get his writing. Interesting. Like it's, it's it's kind of a long book. It's like 600 pages, and when it eventually got around to its point, I liked the story that it was telling and I like what it did, but it took so long to get there. It was very meandering and it's not a book that doesn't necessarily does a good job of setting up like mystery and payoff. Like there's a bunch of stuff that's happening that is seemingly disconnected. And by the end of it, it more or less is disconnected because the, the general idea, the general story is that this guy Shadow gets released from prison and then he's hired by this guy, Mr. Wednesday, to be like his like helper slash like bodyguard enforcer. And Wednesday claims to be a god and he claims that gods live in America and they were brought over with like people from their original nationality. So like, you know, there's like leprechauns and African gods and Norse gods that now like live as like human-esque figures on in America. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there are also new gods, like the God of internet and of media and stuff like that. And like, there's this war room between them. So it's an interesting setup and there's a lot of interesting ideas, but there'll be these interludes that'll just go through 
like like a, a, a certain god how they made it to America sort of thing. And they don't really tie into the rest of the story. And it just felt like a little bit ambling. And I, I remember not necessarily loving Stardust, the book, when I read it. And I also remember not really loving Good Omens either, kind of for all the same reason, which I'm like, I like the idea here, but the it the meat's not on the bones. Gotcha. And it's just not like propulsive or entertaining. I can see where his stuff would be really good for adaptation. Like I haven't watched American Gods, the show, um, but like, I like Stardust, the movie much better than Stardust, the book. So I don't know, like it's, it's objectively good, but it didn't quite work for me. And I, I think I've just kind of realized like maybe his style of writing is just a little bit too slow for me, a little bit too ambling, but, okay. but I mean, it, it's, it's, it's interesting. Like, like I said, it, it, it's good. It just wasn't quite, um, quite my taste, but I'm, I'm glad it's done. Good. I'm glad you finished it. <laughs> I, I was like, thank you for the review. Yes. I was like begrudgingly forcing myself to finish this fucking book. Uh, but all right, I think, uh, I think that's it for this week. I think we did it. We did it. So, uh, yeah, we'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on, uh, you know, the new static design, which is your preferred version or just your thoughts in these episodes. If you have them. We'd love to hear what you think would make a really good animated adaptation of live action property. Like that was a, a fantastic question, Cameron. So I'm really curious Thank people's you. answers. So, um, but if you want to find us, we are at Tim talk pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail. And you can find me at Lordifer on Instagram and Twitter. Yes. Uh, you can find my art stuff, which I'll update someday at cameron.dexter and if you want to see my face and i'm i'm starting to attempt to host uh some trivia yes we did over it last the weekend. weekend it was super fun thank you uh i don't think i'll do one this week but next week I'll, I'll try and set up another one okay uh and if you want to join or if you want to see any updates on that you can find that at cam dexter underscore adventures boom 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 and uh we, ha- we have one more final announcement this week which is that given that uh, things have slowed down for the both of us with the lockdown. We're going back to doing weekly episodes. Yes. Yes. So uh, if you guys were missing us in the off weeks, which I don't know why you would, but if you did, don't worry, we're coming back. We'll be back. We're back. So we'll be doing uh, normal weekly episodes. Occasionally, there'll probably be a bonus episode instead of a normal static episode. Uh, for example, the movie Scoob is getting a direct <gasps> digital release coming up yes, soon. Yes, it does. And as we were discussing before the podcast started, we don't actually talk about Scooby-Doo enough. Not at all. Like, as, as heated as we get in our conversations. <laughs> we basically really talked about it like once or twice. We, we need a proper like full deep dive on Scooby-Doo. So that's going to be happening. Uh pretty soon but yeah so look forward to uh the next episode coming out next week but uh thanks as always for listening everybody yes thanks guys and goodbye bye superhero Superhero static static shock shock. superhero